Hosted by Igo.ai co-founder Srini Pagadiala. The Inside Innovator's Mind, a customer engagement podcast, features North America's most innovative and bold leaders taking their deep dive into what it takes to create engaging customer experiences that delight customers and transition them into brand evangelists. Here's your host, Srini Pagadiala. Hi, thanks for tuning in. I'm your host, Srini Pagitiala, co-founder of Igo.ai, world's first and only chatbot with a brain. I'm honored and thrilled to present our innovator today and let us get inside the mind of this bold innovator. He is the chief information officer at 1-800-Flowers.com, Inc. And this is a company that embraced technology to grow and transform their business for 45 years. This is a company that believes that a culture of innovation begets a culture of reinvention, and they're constantly reinventing at the company. It started as a single flower shop in Manhattan, New York in 1976, and quickly expanded to a dozen brick and mortar retail shops in the New York area. From there, the company acquired 1-800-Flowers phone number, in 86 and renamed the company after its number. The company then went on to be a pioneer in online retailing by acquiring or building more than a dozen brands, creating a one-stop gifting destination that delivers more than 30 million gifts a year. Some of the brands under the company umbrella include Harry and David, Personalization Mall, Cheryl's Cookies, 1-800-Flowers.com, Sherry Berries, and more. As the company has grown and evolved, it has continued to prioritize customer engagement initiatives. With the help of Chatbot with the Brain, Igo, the company is able to provide customers with a highly personalized shopping experience. Allow me to introduce you to Arnie Leap. As CIO at 1-800-Flowers.com, Inc., Arnie Leap oversees all aspects of information technology systems and strategy for the company. He is continually focused on identifying innovative ways to apply technology to enhance customer experience and keep the company at the forefront of where customers are going next. Under Arnie's leadership, the company has transformed its technology platform to create an intuitive e-commerce destination, significantly increasing the number of customers shopping across multiple brands of 1-800 Flowers as one customer journey. Arnie has a clear vision and passion for change and is continually identifying innovative ways to increase efficiencies. He has an early adopter mindset when it comes to emerging technologies and is a fascinating person to speak with. I have learned a lot from Arnie and I hope you will too. So without further delay, let's talk to Arnie. So Arnie, thank you very much for taking the time to join us today. So let's get right to it. So Arnie, I've always been an admirer and fascinated by your innovative mindset. My question is, uh, how did you personally develop that? And how did you rally your organization around it? <laughs> you know, it's funny, Srini, you asked that question. Boy, that's a probably a pretty loaded question. How do you <laughs> how do you develop that that skill set? I can honestly tell you there's probably four or five car engines that are in what I'll consider junkyards at this point that I was never able to put back together, though I thought I could. So, you know, it starts out at a young age, I guess. You sort of condition yourself that you put your mind to go do something, and you have to be willing to try. You have to be willing to push it a little bit. And as a 16-year-old, I didn't know anything about a small block Chevy engine, but I was going to go find out because I took most of them apart 
and two or three of them I could not get back together, which required a tow truck and mm-hmm. extra mm-hmm. cost to have a mechanic put back together. And but more importantly, as as the huh? mechanics were putting it back together, I was standing there right there with them learning. And it. so it's important to be able to push yourself out of a comfort zone mm-hmm. and and understand that in the process of doing that that is going to create a wonderful opportunity to learn. And over the course of my career, you know, looking back, yeah, it was a couple of car engines. There were a couple of car engines for sure, but few and far between as we start to hone those skills and you hone that level of confidence that, yeah, I'm going to take this apart right now. Knowing full well that your collective team, your teammates, your customers all going to be collectively part of that process of putting it back together and improving it. The reason why you take something apart is because you think you got to fix it. And it's important to be able to drive that continuous improvement mentality and say, no matter what, I think I can do something better today than I did yesterday. And so all of those different experiences over over the course of a very, (laughs) I'll say a long time, sort of drives that innovative spirit, but does it in such a way that, you know, it fosters that level of confidence that it's okay, you can take it apart. It's all right, you're going to reassemble it and have the confidence to be able to do that, not only in yourself, but more importantly, have the confidence of the collective team that you built being able to go do that. Got it. So so what I'm hearing is you like to embed this into the culture of the team itself. The, the innovation mindset. Are there things that you do specifically around this on a weekly basis, bi-weekly, monthly, however frequently you do it? Are there things that you do around innovation you know, that that uh, uh, you have cultivated this within your organization? Sure. I, you know, the culture is a reflection of leadership, right? And I can honestly say on a daily basis, I have a pretty decent commute to the office, about an hour, 45 minutes to an hour one way. And in the morning, I, you know, like everybody else in the car on the highway, was sitting there with a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, either listening to the news or listening to some music. And I refer to that as windshield time. Mm-hmm. Windshield time to me is a critical thinking period time for me. And so on the way into the office, I'm trying to figure out what decisions am I going to make today? to empower everybody around me to be able to do their job better. And sometimes, you know, you sort of get these preconceived notions, you're going to go do something when you get in the office, and that's nice. But man alive, that first 30 minutes in an office could definitely change. And certainly we've had those fair shares Mm -hmm. at, at Flowers. But the idea is, is how do I empower everybody around me? And it's fostering that level of empowerment that then helps drive innovation, that then helps drive and foster a cultural change within the entire organization going forward. And it is, you have to be pushy. This is not a, this is not a gentle exercise, right? So, you know, you have to know when it's important to be stern. It's It's important to know when to be nurturing, when to be mentoring, when to coach, when to give advice, Right. So all of those things start to play and every team member is different. But 
innovation is really comes from a pressure point or constant pressure of confidence in the team around you. So these people, your teammates are there for a reason. They have a certain set of skills. How do you empower them? And so that that ride in every morning is sort of like, what do I have to do today? Do I have to be the bad cop? Do I need to be the good cop? Do I have to build a bridge? Am I tearing down walls? What am I doing? And what group and what's the message that we want to deliver? I'm very, very conscientious about that. The ride home is an interesting one. It's sort of like, oh, my God, I'm out of the office. Thank God. Let me open up the sunroof and take in some sun for a couple minutes, play the Mm -hmm. music. Then you sort of settle down and say, okay, how'd the day go? And I actually do sit there very quietly and go through all the different conversations, different pressure points, things that occurred during the day. What could I have done better? How do I improve that situation going forward? And it sounds almost like lunacy, but it is sort of conditioning and it sort of helps set the plan, right? It's that perpetual plan now is emotion. How do I improve? What do I do next? How do you exude that level of confidence and that continuation or continuous improvement capabilities that you want the team to have? You want them to be successful, to be able to do those things. No two days are the same. Right. But, right. So it's one of those, the pattern is there, but, and there's a lot of variations on those themes because you're dealing with humans. Yeah. It really does get down to human behavior, right? I can remember my first day at one of your flowers. I made a f- couple of phone calls and uh, the best advice I got was uh, just because you're going to, you know, be running technology over at flowers, you know, it's really not about the technology. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? What do you mean it's not about the technology? Because no, 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 no. 95% of what you do on a daily basis is going to be interacting with people. Right. It's the human side. Technology is kind of interesting. If the light's on, it's kind of working, right? And you can't necessarily, people don't walk around with light bulbs above their head, and you can't necessarily tell whether or not they're having a good day or a bad day unless you engage. So engagement is a large part of that process. So it's been been interesting but that's the formula that seems to have worked for me over the course of my career awesome so now tell me about your journey with conversational commerce how did it become when did it become uh in a kind of mainstream thing you were doing very well even without it right so what drove you you know towards the conversational commerce what does it mean to you and, and and how did it evolve well, it's fascinating, Trini. It's a great question. It evolves, right? It, it, we didn't just wake up one day and say, "Oh, conversational commerce that we're gonna we're gonna go drive that." It actually started with a phone call. It's kind of funny. Five years, six years ago at this point, I guess it was a Saturday afternoon. It was in the fall, and uh, I know it was the fall because I was standing outside a high school gymnasium waiting to pick up my kids. They had a basketball thing or something going on a Saturday. Mm-hmm. I get this phone call. And it's Chris McCann, my mm-hmm. my, my boss, the CEO. Yep. Right? CEO. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he says to me, he goes, how come I'm not on television talking to Watson in the woods? Okay. I'm like, what? <laughs> Who is this and what did you do with Chris? He goes, yeah, I'm sitting here, you know, in between the football uh, commercials, an IBM Watson commercial came up that Watson was talking to the North Face CEO, talking about 
a recommendation for a new jacket. Mm-hmm. I go, how come I'm not in the woods? We have a relationship with IBM. How come? Says, All right, Chris, I'll uh, I'll make a phone call Monday. Let's see what we can do. Sure. It was no more than 90 days. We, it was, we got through our holiday. We had a test environment going in January. February, we had Valentine's Day. By the time we got to March, we were able to test our first generation. Mm-hmm. Being able to conduct commerce through a conversation. It wasn't quite a conversation. It was more of a Q&A session, sure. but it was the beginning of something that we thought would be kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. Four generations later, four and a half generations later, five years later, you know, working with, with your team and Peter, we have something special. And this whole coined conversational commerce thing, it's kind of catchy. It's um, I learned it from you. Yeah, it's a little bit of marketing in there for sure. But the idea is, is how do you have a conversation? Mm-hmm. Right? You have to have some context. You got to have some recall. It's got to be timely. And it has to be in the proper context. And fascinatingly enough, the IGO team's been able to help us see that vision and create that vision that we're still as you know, we're still only scratching the surface, but man alive, where we are now versus five years ago has been an incredible ride. And the the whole concept of it was driven, again, by Chris and by mm-hmm. his brother, Jim, about being technologically advanced. And throughout the history of 1-800-Flowers, the Flowers team led by Chris and Jim has really fostered all sorts of innovation and and this is no different so i'm lucky enough to be a part of the a last culture. couple of years and and be a part of the culture and so forth but i mean the level of pressure because of the historical references i mean first store on CompuServe, first right. store on aol one of the first e-commerce websites on the World Wide Web when we wow. referred to it as a World wow. Wide Web. You know, you look back over that and you say, well, why? Why Why is a flowers company, a gifting company in the middle right. of that, at that level? And the answer is simple. 1-800-Flowers has got a history of, of engaging their customers. The customers, in turn, entrust us to deliver <clears throat> on their sentiments to their friends and loved ones. And so there's a very, very special bond between 1-800-Flowers and our customers. And we want to be right there with them. And over the course of 40 years, technology has changed. And we see it now. And we were one of the first mobile app for commerce in the gifting space. That was back in 2006, 7. Wow. 8. In that range, they had early, early. It gets back to Chris and Jim taking a couple of engines apart themselves. (laughs) It's that lesson. It's that lesson that you sort of go through. And if you don't, how do you know if you don't try? Right. 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 And it really does get to be at that simple level. And so when we come full circle and we start saying, well, how do we get involved conversational commerce and why why now it's really because of 40 years of rich history 
and innovation from 1-800-Flowers and the company itself, and a lot of people involved. And it's not two or three people. The entire company is involved in all right. aspects of the technology, right? And driving that customer experience and going where the customers are. You know, it's very important. Mm-hmm. We need to be right there because we need to understand where the customer is going to go and how they're going to shop moving forward. Right. And we've seen a lot of disruption in e-commerce in the last couple of years. There's no doubt pandemic didn't help force people inside boxes are coming. You know, if you're not receiving a daily box from Amazon, you don't. Right. So there's just these things that occur now that are expected. Right. Yeah. And so commerce is one of those things that we're at a nice stage right now, but a man alive, I think the world is right in front of us and I can't Absolutely. believe what's next. Yeah. So so when you made the decision to move forward with, with the next generation of, of conversation AI, you ended up selecting IGO. There are literally 3,000 companies in this category called chatbots or conversational AI systems and digital assistants and all that. So what made you pick IGO out of you know all of these companies, especially knowing that IGO, uh, IGO.ai does not deal with big data, no deep learning, no machine learning, no data scientists, no ML, none of that, all of the stuff that everyone else is talking about, none of that is involved. So how did you make that decision? Can you kind of help us walk through that, that process? Hmm. You know, um, some would say luck, depending on what side of the fence you're on, you would say luck. I, I think part of it is, too, is also brute force and focus, right? And what I mean by that is we were on generation three and a half, and that by the time we were int- introduced to one another. And so we had a very short, finite list of requirements. We already gone through three lists. Exactly. You knew what you don't want and what you really want. Yeah, that was that's clear. Right. Yeah. So we were able to identify, yeah, we don't want that. We right. can't do this, can't do that. This didn't work. Why didn't it work? So it's part of that yeah. tear the engine block apart and stand next to the mechanic and understand, well, we're going to put it back together this way. Yeah, no, we don't want that. We want to do it a different way and here's why. And so we took our fair share of engines apart and we learned and learned and learned in incredible detail Mm -hmm. as far as what's working what doesn't and more importantly what was going to scale you can solve any problem the question is is tell me what your parameters are to the problem and you know if you have a, a fundamental understanding what you don't want and a fundamental understanding of what you do want that becomes very narrow and it becomes a very interesting way of solving these problems. So our chief technology officer at the time did a couple of searches, came across an IGO reference at some point five years ago. And he sent over a YouTube video. Peter had done a couple of YouTube videos, and I'm still referencing those and sending them around. And, uh, and I'm like, huh, that's interesting. And it was one of those, okay, that could be too good to be true. Mm-hmm. This could be staged. Sure. And you and I and Peter, we had our first set of conversations. Yes. And, and it was like any other introduction, you're going to give I, me the high level. And it's yeah. my job to figure out whether or not you right. can do it or whether right. or not you're selling me something. Uh-huh. And that was out in San Francisco. And then right. 
then I invited you guys to come come east and sit down with us in a session. Right. And, you know, there's that television show on out now called Shark Tank. It's been on a few years. Yes. We sort of invited you to the Shark Tank. <laughs> So it was we had no idea. We, we, we thought right. we were sharing. Yes, yeah. The, the flowers version of Shark Tank. The difference right. was we were willing right. to fill the room up with water and put some right. shark. Actually, right, 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 right. Um, yeah. And you know, it's because of that finite list of what <clears> we wanted. We could have a very candid conversation. Yes. And we had, you know, had the first set of hard questions out in in San Francisco, and got through that first set of discussions. I'm like, okay, now I need a broader audience. We need to get this sort of squared up and it will this do what we expect it to. And we had you and Peter come in. You all went through a demonstration of not the actual technology, but how the technology does natural language processing, how it's organized, why it's organized the way it is. And you have to be a linguist. And it's very important that that concept gets emanated from this conversation is is it's about linguist being a linguist it's it's about the language itself and what was fascinating about that was i had i broke out into cold into a cold sweat during the during the meeting because i went back to my college days i was up for almost 48 hours straight finishing up a final project and it was basically a um, a compiler. I forget mm-hmm. what languages it could have been. Could have been Pascal or one of the, sure, the, one of the structural Fortran languages, Pascal, right? yeah, Fortran, something like that. Right, we're right. we're yeah. dating ourselves, right? And I'm like, I'm looking at the screen, and Peter's going through the linguistic tendencies of how the product works and why it works, right. what it does. Yeah. And it was sort of like interesting. Okay, mm-hmm. I have two questions. Everybody's sort of looking down at the end of the room, at the one end, of, I'm sitting at the end of the table, and I go, I asked the first question, got the right answer. Asked the second question, got even a better answer. And I just went, oh, <laughs> you guys are really Different. not any kind of AI. You don't need any data. What you need is interaction. And I'm like, hmm. And we spent another hour or two, and it was fascinating. And and the reason why I say that is, is it's incredibly different. It's a very different approach. And unless you've gone through three or four generations of these things and trials and tribulations and all the other efforts that our team members put in at Flowers to try to make the prior generations work at the level that we needed them to work, one of the big requirements in Generation 3 as we started boarding was our friends over at Google and we were building out our skill set for Google Home. Mm-hmm. Google basically told us you have to be inside of 200 mils in response, otherwise your service will error out on our platform. We mm-hmm. don't accept anything longer than 200 mils. Wow. And I remember that meeting very well because we were excited that we were at 750 mils in response. And it was just wasn't going to work. So that meant generation three was gone, done. We needed to pivot and figure something else out. What's fascinating about IGO is you don't need any data. 
you're going to have a conversation with the brain. The brain's going to have contextual reference, store that context in a certain way that makes it easy for Igo to retrieve in the future. So when we sit back and we start to walk through what has been a successful journey for our customers in chat, because that's what it is, is conversation. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, hi, Arnie, how are you? Hi, nice, nice to talk to you again. How can I help you? Well, my anniversary is coming up. That's right. You ordered from us last year around this time. Your wife's favorite flowers is roses. Would you like me to place the same order as you did last year for your anniversary? Mm-hmm. Yes, please. Two dozen roses. Thank you. Would you like it to be delivered three days before your anniversary? Yes, please. To your home address, please. Wow. Would you like us to use the card on file? Yeah, that'd be great. Right. Thank you. Okay, Arnie, we're going to deliver those flowers three days before your anniversary. Right. You delivered. Here's your order number and confirmation. Is there anything else I can help you with today? No, no, thank you. Not at this time. Now, those are future statements. That's right. not what we have currently. But we're not far off from that now. So when we first implemented with you, we wanted to focus on sales and customer service. And we had what I'll consider bias because Mm -hmm. we knew what we wanted and we also knew what we didn't want. So we also implemented our four and a half or fifth generation here in a way that has remnants of our previous generations. Sure. Now we get to voice. Everything that you and I just talked about was via voice. It wasn't right. a bubble or right. type. It right. was voice that voice activation. What's really crazy about this whole thing, Srini, is you and I both know we don't have technological limitations for this. Right. And that's what's exciting about what's going to happen with Gen 5. And we'll have some remnants of that now in the next couple of weeks this this quarter. but. Yeah, awesome. Before before you go to yeah, absolutely. I want to talk about Gen Five, but before you go there, one of the key questions I have, I think our viewers and other uh, customers would actually benefit from, is you know you spent a lot of time and energy and resources on Generation Three, and then you see I go. You were already hitting some limitations on Generation Three, and then you see I go. How did you position this? Within the organization, how did you get buy-in uh, to Generation Four? With, you know, using ICO, um, having gone through all that, and, and usually organizations are very you know resistant for change. I know you have the culture of innovation. I just want to kind of pick your brain on how you positioned uh, ICO. It's a great question because you know culture of innovation, but we're still business people, right? right. We still have to operate within certain rules. Mm-hmm guidelines and quote-unquote budgets right and so you know it starts off as a science project in generation one spend a few dollars try to see if you can make it work get a proof of concept going generation two is okay take that proof of concept a little bit further don't disrupt too many customer sessions but we'll start engaging and testing and testing into it and incrementally what you what we've done is is that's why we focused on sales a little bit. If we could sell a couple, you know, get a couple orders placed, we would allocate 
most of the value of those orders towards the success of the of the chat and the conversation to help fund future generations. But it also it's a it is innovation. It has to do with having the intestinal fortitude that says that no matter what, we're going to invest a certain amount in technology, and this is what we're going to do, and this is how yeah. we're going to do it. And again, a lot of engine blocks on on the side that we took apart, we never really got to put back together. But you do that incrementally in a way that number one, you're not making huge, super, supersized bets, but you're you are betting on on your ability to put the engine block back together. Mm-hmm. And so you're trying to make sure that you have some incremental success. So iteration is important. So iterate, you know, iterate, fail fast and move forward, right? Sure. And so you got to understand at, at different times how to how to cut that line and and move forward. And it's cultural, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's administrative sides to that too is is yeah, I have a budget. I have a technology budget for one of your flowers. You know, I have to put my budget together just like the business people do and so forth. But I'm I'm a little hamstrung. I don't have a revenue stream. Right. So I can't improve or increase the size of my budget over time. I only get a finite amount of dollars. That's how it works. Right. So as a cost center, I'm exactly that. I'm a cost center. Correct. Yeah. And so we have to be able to provide that perception of value. And and it's not only conversational commerce, chat bots, IGO engines, how do you go from generation three to generation four? It's that that all inclusive formula of continuous improvement. If you can improve a million dollar burn rate by 10%, that's a hundred thousand dollars. Wow. And in very simple terms. I tell my team all the time, we have a budget. You spend less than budget, you get some money to go play with some new things. Yeah. Right. Sometimes I'll ask for it back because I have a couple of cool ideas myself or something like that. But in most cases, we have a self-fulfilling prophecy and we can fuel our own sort of science projects, if you will, and dabble with that every once in a while we'll get one from jim and chris that says you should take a look at this and figure out how to how to manage it and in a lot of cases we get them from other areas of the business too and we're happy to do that but we've set up our operational structures and our budget structures to be able to ingest those requests be able to do something with that some would call it a slush fund. This isn't a slush fund. This is just the way we operate. We operate right. in that accordance that we have to be fiscally sound. We have to operate within budget. But right. at the same time, we're also allocating budget a certain way to make sure that, one, we have enough resources to improve a process, which mm-hmm. in return saves resources to be allocated to something else. Sure. So it is that perpetual circular reference that becomes very important. And again, you know, we said earlier, no two days the same, no two weeks right. the same, no two quarters are the same. Yeah, yeah, great. Uh, now let's talk about Generation 5. So what do you have in mind for Generation 5, which is the next generation of IGO within uh, you know, 1-800-Flowers? What do you have in mind? Uh, what lessons have you learned from previous implementation that you want to apply, uh, in a, including the benefits and all of that stuff uh, moving forward into Generation 5? 
Shreeni, that's a it's a great great question, and and we will we'll start with our metrics, right? So when we when we get to generation four, four and a half, and we're heading mm-hmm. into five, right, right, we have to measure our performance. We don't get around that. We just don't. Right. You know, we got to sort of stick to our guns and make sure that everything's doing what it's supposed to do. And in the guidelines that we set forth, our primary metric, as you're aware, is containment. And what I mean by containment is, is if you engage with our chat function within our website, which is powered by IGO, and the IGO brain and the chat session can resolve the customer's inquiry, whether it be customer service order status, a sale of a product. If they stay within the chat and we satisfy the customer's inquiry or session, we consider that contained because we didn't need an agent. We didn't need an email. We didn't need other contact information. We, it was not touched by human hands. So containment becomes important. And every chat, or interaction that we can contain is a more efficient way of engaging with our customers. And we're finding a very good trend there. And so we wanna continue to pursue that. That helps drive what generation five looks like. And so from containment, we, we have some edge cases on order status. We have some edge cases on the conversation of the anniversary gift from my wife, which is mm-hmm. coming, right? So we're going to get into the conversation side. And we talked earlier about my windshield time. Right. And part of my windshield time is I'm sending texts and messages, but I'm driving. And right. I've now learned, and Siri's gotten pretty good oh. on the Apple side, that I can have a conversation with Siri and Siri in turn can make sure I'm getting the conversation out to people I need to reach out and touch. And um, I want to, that, that inspired that next part of one of the requirements for, for generation five. I want to have a conversation, like truly have the conversation voice. about yeah. through voice. Mm-hmm. So here's, here's the crazy thing about all of that, right? Mm-hmm. 40 some odd years ago, one of your flower starts up east side flower shop. Mm-hmm. People would physically come in and buy flowers. Right. Then all of a sudden they started calling the shop. Chris and Jim realized that they were taking more orders by phone than they were by walk-in. Right. That's where the 800 number came right. in. Right. Now you sort of move forward. So now we're into voice. We were physical. Now we went to voice. Mm-hmm. We get to the world wide web we're no longer voice anymore it's mostly orders by or the i go mm-hmm. chatbot and no one's talking they're just sort of banging away at a keyboard right here we are 45 years later we're going back to voice back to voice exactly <laughs> <laughs> it's just what is the medium by which we capture the voice sentiment right right Right. And it, it yeah. truly has to involve natural language processing. The linguistic side of it is incredibly important. Right. But yeah. the idea is, is in Generation 5, we actually want to simplify Generation 4, which was incredibly successful to date right now. Collectively, we've done the teams have done a great job uh, to get us to this point. And so now it's like, all right, we want to do less typing. Right. Just, we just want to have a true conversation. Yeah. So. What does that actually mean? 
to have a conversation. Well, you and I started, you know, 35 minutes ago, starting having a conversation. I know who you are. You know who I am. We didn't have to introduce each other. We didn't have to figure out what we like and what we don't like. We have a relationship. The idea of a conversational commerce interaction is exactly that. Pick up where you left off. Why? Contextual recall. Incredibly important. And when we learned in the earlier generations how much information we would have to generate and push to the edge in order to have relevant recall within the 200 mils that Google was looking for. Right. The amount of effort to do that was incredible. Right. Right. And so we've solved that problem collectively. The IGO and the one Hundred Flowers team has solved the problem on what information needs to be at the edge at what point in time in order to satisfy the next bubble in right. the conversation. Right. Right. And so we believe that we're so advanced in those areas right now that these little things like, you know, telling telling one of your flowers, my anniversary date is in October, my wife's name, when we were married, right. I have ex, you know, I have three kids, two boys and a and a daughter. You know, all of a sudden, all that little information gets collected and leveraged appropriately for the relationship with one of your flowers. And so the recall becomes important. Absolutely. So when we say, hey, ah. you know, I, I go, one of your flowers, I want to send my daughter, you know, flowers. Oh, the last time you sent her flowers, they were sunflowers. We don't have those this time of year. But we can go ahead and send some tulips. Mm-hmm. Oh, if you could send yellow ones, that would be great. Home address? Yes, please. Credit card on file? Yes, please. Okay, here's your confirmation number. We'll get that out to her next week. Got it. That's amazing, Arnie. You know, this reminds me of one of the stories uh, that uh, uh, Jim McCann shared in our initial conversations. Basically, what he said is uh, Srini, we were, uh, we were very kind of intimate with our customers when we had one store. We really knew who they were, their anniversaries, their kids' birthdays, graduations, so on and so forth. We really lost that personal touch because we have whatever, you know, millions of customers right now. Yeah. Um, so now it's a, how do we give that high touch? back to customers that we care about, you know, people in their lives and, and the event in their lives and, and all of that. This is where the gifting concierge concept, uh, you know, he talked to us about and then you expanded on it and what it means and all that. And it appears like you're heading in that direction, both chat and, and then voice. Yes. Gift concierge, personalization. Personalization. Exactly. Right. Yeah. And all of a sudden you start to Really think about if we put all these things uh, out on the on the table and you start to look at it, everything's sort of interconnected. Mm-hmm. How do you personalize something? You need to know something about the person on the other side. Well, how do you know something about the other person on the other side? Well, possibly contextual recall. Well, where'd you get the re- where'd you get the context in the first place? Well, I had a conversation with them. Okay. Oh. There you go. Then all of a sudden you can really start to personalize mm-hmm. and do it in a way that is effective. And what I mean by effective is, is mm-hmm. it's not whether or not we're successful in selling selling the gift. It's it's effective because 
the customer starts to realize that the choices and the capabilities of 1-800-Flower is absolutely being demonstrated by the ability to recall context in the right time and the right place with the right people that allows our customers to extend the expressions of life. It's not easy. This is not an easy thing. You know, it's a little different with Amazon. Mm -hmm. We all sort of do our own personal consumption with Amazon. 1-8 Flower is a little different. Yes. We go one step further. We're really an extension of the expressions of human beings. Yes. And and it's important because they our customers trust us with that. We don't take that lightly. Right. So anytime that we can extend the relationship with our customers, relationships first, business second. Yes. It is very important to us. It's part of our culture. Gift concierge sort of gets a gets a cross section of conversation, commerce, and personalization at a level that we can unlock at scale. And with more than 900,000 customers engaged with the IGO engine over the course of the last 12 months, we have an awful lot of data that sits right in front of us that tells us what's working, what's not working, where we should go and why we should why we should go. The concierge level, the personalization, the capabilities of, of remembering and recalling that context to a relationship with our customer right. is incredibly valuable. Yeah. We just need to start unlocking it more and more. Absolutely. So where do you see, now stepping back, the whole concept of conversational commerce? And, and certainly, I remember one of our conversations before we started working, working with you, that you really wanted to redefine conversational commerce. And, and, and here we are already, you know, two, two, three years into it. Where do you see this conversational commerce going uh, three to five years from now on? Oh, so that's a tough one, Eugene, uh, Srini. I, I, you know, it's it's one of those things where, you know, five years ago we think we'd have iPhone 14s, right? right? We should have known because they were releasing one a year, so yeah, <laughs> right. But yeah. if you look at the feature and function of of the phones, not necessarily the iPhone, but just the mobile phones in general, where they are right. today versus yeah. where they were five years ago, it's hard. I know one thing, mm-hmm. we're not going to stop having conversations, right? right? What's interesting is you and I are doing this by Zoom, right? You're in California, I'm in New York. Technology continues to allow us to embrace our relationships in different ways. I can assure you that One of Your Flowers will always be embracing new technology and really pushing the limits on some of it to see whether or not it's really going to be meaningful for our customers to express themselves. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you know, in the short term, you know, two years out, there's no doubt voice becomes the primary channel again. Mm-hmm. And we see the, the, the changes in nat- natural language processing and, and, and capabilities there almost on a quarterly basis now. Like mm-hmm. you mentioned earlier, there were more than 3,000 customers, 3,000 companies five years ago when we first started talking, three and a half, four years ago. 
they're not all around anymore, but there's, there are a couple, there are a couple trying to do some things and even keeping our, our ear to the street. You all are still doing things a little differently than the rest of them. Uh And everybody's starting to learn that the context is important. So when we start looking at the size of data, right. That's needed for a conversation. The human brain is is kind of fascinating that way, right? All our memories and how we store things, how we recall things. Some recall a little bit faster than others, especially as we get a little older, it slows down a little bit. But the idea is the memories are still there. The context mm-hmm. is still there. And it's odd how our brain sometimes connects to disparate data sets. And all of a sudden, ooh, look at that, right? And so I see conversation continuing. I think we're going to see more voice versus finger and texting meaning typing right yeah yeah and so the more that we can sort of do that the better off you know technology is going to be why because Mm -hmm. i can be driving it well for legal purposes i'll say 55 (laughs) miles an hour um, and talking to my dashboard and ordering Uh And that's still considered okay. I got both hands on the wheel and I'm just talking to myself and to right. technology. And you'd have to make that phone call, right? You'd make the 1-800-Flowers phone call. You'd be talking to an agent. It would be no different. It's, it's hands-free talk. And so when we get done with this, I see a generational shift in technology as it relates to that voice processing capability. You know, Alexa, Amazon was right there. Google was right there. And I'm mentioning all these names and all the devices in my office are lighting up. I can see the right. ring of Alexa out of the corner of my eye because I said said her name. But the idea here is, is I know where we're going to be. We're going to be right there with our customers shoulder to shoulder, embracing new technologies as the customer sees fit. Sometimes we get out and in front of them a little bit to make sure that we understand the tech so we know how to apply it. In other cases, we're right there shoulder to shoulder with them because that's where they want to be. Right. Right. That's, have that's to a continual evolution of, of your company. Yeah. So one more question. Uh, this is more, what would you tell uh, some of our current customers and prospects and, 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 and other uh, companies that are looking at Igo, saying, you know, you're not a big company to start with. You're not a well-known company. or You're not even identified in one of these analyst quadrants and all of that stuff. And, and you had all of the same issues when you started working with us. And, and here we are. What would you tell them, you know, how and why you made the choice and, and, and the kind of uh, uh, comfort, because now you are on the other side, you, know, you, you took that chance. I know a little bit of what, like how you found it and all that. Um, what, what would you share, uh, uh, you know, your lessons uh, from, from the journey you have been through? Yeah. That's a well-thought question. I can honestly say that you and Peter are not engine mechanics. You are not going to help us put the engine blocks back together. Nor is it your role and responsibility. Mm-hmm. See, when we started talking, again, we knew what we didn't want. We knew what we did want. And we also had a very narrow scope. And what do I mean by that? I knew and had a level of confidence of what we could do as far as operate and operate our business. Because that's our business. Mm -hmm. 
we can't expect you to operate the business. That's not your business. Your business is conversation and recall and context and, and personalization and, you know, that level. You you guys are a tool. Mm-hmm. And I say that in a loving, affectionate way. Um, yeah, absolutely. Those, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, right. So it's one of those things. Okay, how do we, you know, we're, we're going to this, we're going to the store, we're buying a new hammer. We had three generations of hammers before. They didn't quite work. This is a new, a new, mm-hmm. you know, new form, new metal, new handle. How do we apply it? How do we use it? And we, we knew from our conversations, negotiations, initial pilot, we knew what work we had in front of us. But that was operational work. And that was integration work on our side. Sure. Not necessarily integration work or things that IGO needed to do. And so we had all the confidence in the world that we could put the engine block back together. But more importantly, we were going to put a four-barrel four carburetor on the top called IGO and say, okay, now we just added 500 horsepower to the motor. The idea here is, is how do we assemble that? And so to your your current current customers just getting going, to the current prospects that are thinking about it, it's important to understand what your current capabilities are in, internally. And I would tell I would tell some a short POC would be good. Have that conversation. Understand, you know, what is it are you really trying to accomplish? Is it internal to your support systems or is it external to your customer base? You know, different different industries are going to support differently. Our customers are going to be different in, in the banking industry, financial industry versus retail and e-commerce. And so very different applications. But how and what do you need the the chat conversation to to work? What is it about that has gotten you there? Don't lose sight of why you got there in the first place. Embrace it and then leverage the tools that are in front of you and have the confidence that you're going to put the engine together back better than the way you took it apart. And that was something that we 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 had very early on. We were determined. You know, we were confident enough that we were just going to go do this. And and partly because a couple of generations earlier, boy, we had some challenges. There was no doubt, but that was, I mean, you look back, that's only four years ago, five years ago. A lot's happened in a very short period of time. I'm going back to your questions. <laughs> what's it look like in five years? And I'm like, I'm, I'm not even sure I can get that far yet. Yeah. Um, but uh, it's, um, it's been a wonderful journey and uh, you guys have been a great partner and uh, we've definitely accomplished a few things together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like you said, we are just getting started. And I love the fact as part of the Generation 5, um, you're now um, looking at IGO to address internal uh, uh, customers. Can you, can you share a little bit more about that? We, we didn't even touch on it yet. Sure. I, you know, how else can we employ, right, right. And, and, and deploy the technology and leverage it accordingly? You know, we're a nice-sized company. We've got about 5,000 employees, non-holiday period, full-time, right. between 4,500 and 5,000, I guess. Um, we have a service desk that I'm, you know, my team's responsible for. We have, like any other help desk and service desk, we have tickets that come in every day, et cetera. Right. We're taking a hard look at, 
you know, how, how do we make this a little more efficient? Where, where's the noise generators? What do we need to do? And so forth. And, you know, like everything else in life, it always seems like things are getting more complicated, especially with technology and systems and new, new things being deployed. And how do you get a consistent message across? And what's fascinating about the IGO brain is there is one brain per user, right? And that's the way we have it architected on the outside. It's the way we have would have it architected on the inside. So every customer has their own brain. The streams and the boundaries never cross. Information is appropriately secured accordingly and contained. For our internal users, same thing. We're you know, how do you, I mean, the message count on internal between SMS, which is not very high, but we have Slack, we have Teams, we have sure. other messaging capabilities internally. Mm-hmm. People communicate via these channels all the time. The question is, is how do we sort of put IGO in the middle of that? And so everybody's talking about all these AI models to help streamline support. And the answer is, is why do I have to churn through 5 million records to figure out what's next in a support methodology? Right. I mean, and how do you know that your machine learning model is actually accurate without trial and error versus just walking up to the custom, to the, to the end user and saying, hey, how can I help you today? Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure they're going to tell you. They're not going to be shy about it. And certainly right. Flowers team is not shy. and. That's a good thing. That's not a bad mm-hmm. thing. We mm-hmm. always want to know what's going on. Right. So boy, boy, oh boy, you start getting into those conversations via chat about what's going on, how can I help? And you know, all of a sudden, all these things are coming around. Igo has this uncanny ability to decipher, store, contextually reference, and recall. Right. How do we leverage that? How do we get that? What's the the reference point, um, Skynet. How do you? How does Flout <laughs> internally set up Skynet? And the point is that everybody can contribute in their own fashion at their own rate and time. So, for example, if you're one of our employees in Westerville campus, which is mm-hmm. our Charles Cookie location, and they start engaging via Teams, Teams chat, and in and out, and and, and through through Igo's brain for that particular user. You know, three days ago, a ticket number was raised and assigned for whatever issue was. Igo could recall that, mm-hmm. make sure that that ticket was closed appropriately, or if there was a follow-up question that nobody's answered yet, you'd be able to knock that off and be able to do it. Didn't require a machine learning model. Doesn't require any AI. It just it just requires the ability to ask a question and re- respond via answer. In other words, have a conversation. That's where that has to go. And what's fascinating about that is, is think about all the different things that you've done over the course of the last couple of years. All the information you're willing to share with everybody on social media. As humans, we want to connect. Mm-hmm. We want to be able to respond. We want to be able to react to those connections. And the way we do that is through communication mm-hmm. and conversation. Mm-hmm. And the idea is it's the same pattern. It's just like, okay, just have start having a conversation. Right. 
we can't have 5,000 conversations at once because we need 5,000 people on the phones in the technology group answering everybody and talking to all the time. So 5,000 brains, all individualized, communicating in real time 24 by 7 with each of our employees. It's sort of like their personal assistant, if you will. Yeah. So those are the areas that we're sort of really starting to, we want to expand on because I think we have something special there. Awesome. And of course, we know how to operate it, so it makes it easier. Yeah, yeah, fantastic. So last question, uh, Arne. So who are the two most important, uh, uh, actually innovative and bold leaders that you would recommend for us to speak to? Uh, and, and whom do you admire when it comes to innovation? <laughs> innovation. Um, certainly, you know, it, it's close to home. I, I would, I would tell you that I won't score any points with this. I'll probably lose a few points, but I'll say Chris McCann. I think it's important that a follow-up with Chris McCann as it relates to what flowers are doing and why, and the culture thereof, uh, he, he can certainly speak and walk that walk. Right. The, the I really one. loved his show Undercover Boss, if I may uh, <laughs> throw that in. I loved it. I watched it uh, just a few months back, and, and I had my family watch it. It was fascinating, super yeah. interesting, and, and I have even higher levels of respect for him after watching yeah, it. Yeah, no, so. no, absolutely. That was, um, I want to say that was back in 2009 yes. when he did that, and I actually watched that episode as part of my homework assignment for my interview with him. Ah. <laughs> So yeah, that stuff has a tendency to never disappear. So that's always right. right. And he um, remembered all the stuff. I actually brought it up with him a couple of weeks back when we met. Yeah. And 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 he shared how everyone else is doing from that show. So yeah. it was great, no, great to hear it from him. Yeah. Yeah. And and the second one I would tell you is uh, Jim Canavino, um, yeah. the board member of Flowers, and um, as a technologist and a futurist, Jim is one of the smartest men. I've ever known and certainly has been a, a mentor to me. I've known Jim more than 25 years at this point. And he's one of those, one of those people that can really contextualize context, a conversation, a topic, and then apply what it would look like in the future mm-hmm. in ways that I have not come across anybody else in my, on my journey that can, can put those things together in the proper context. So those would be the two. In both cases, they're very influential people in my lives, in my life. I look forward to working with them, you know, every day. It's all part of the part of the journey. Yeah. Awesome. Arnie, thank you so much for your time and all the insights. And I always learn new stuff every time I talk to you and I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. You bet, Trini. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks again for tuning into the Inside Innovator's Mind, a customer engagement podcast. This show is sponsored by iGo.ai, the world's first and only chatbot with a brain. We have put together a checklist for chatbots done right just for you. Visit iGo.ai slash checklist to get your checklist. And to learn more, click on Experience iGo.